What's going on, crew? It's Monday. It's time to go after those goals harder than we did the week before. What's going on, everyone? Paul Artali here, motivational speaker, podcaster, author, uh, coming at you with another fiercely successful podcast every Monday. Gotta love my uh, random opening music this week. It's called Sicilian Cafe by Eugenio Minimimi. Hey, Got gotta support that in my Sicilian heritage, and what better week to have a music or a theme song that has the word Sicilian in it than this week uh, with uh, not just my own heritage, but of course the passing of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was not Sicilian, but her her arch nemesis and best friend uh, Antonin Scalia was, and that's really what I want to talk about today before we get going, but I want to talk about a little bit about the relationship between Scalia and Ginsburg, because I think there's some, some important lessons for all of us in our journeys that come out of this. Uh, but before we go that, uh, go that way, thanks to everyone for liking and subscribing and rating the podcast, doing all the great things you do. We continue to grow on a weekly basis, and I just really appreciate the support. So let's keep it going this week uh, with the comments, the questions. Please like, subscribe. We're going to be on YouTube very soon. I'm working on an intro video for that. Um, so keep your uh, keep yourself tuned in for that. But let's talk about uh, the news. And I don't always do uh, stuff on that's topical in terms of the news headlines, but. Eh, you know, with the passing of, of Justice Ginsburg, uh, you know, it kind of, listen, most of us, a lot of us are are reading about that right now. And some, you know, a lot of us are mourning uh, the, the loss of, of uh, an iconic Supreme Court justice. And in that, there's obviously a lot of news stories. And for me, looking, when I started reading about basically her life, I didn't know that her and and, and Antonin Scalia were best friends because especially over the last few years and the, you know, the country's politically divided, everything seems to be, you have to be on one extreme or the other that these two names often came up as like arch nemesis. If it was a boxing match, you'd be like Ginsburg versus Scalia tonight from Madison square garden. And I was, I had it having not really known much about her and her life um, personally, didn't know this. So I was really infatuated by this. I was really intrigued that two people who are diametrically opposed uh, philosophically and in terms of how they think the best way to run the country is and the, the interpretation of law and policy, all that stuff that comes with it, that they were actually really, really good friends. And so that's actually. I probably read more about that and looked more into more into that this week than I did anything else. Uh, and I want to share some points with with you about that. And, and and here's the relevance for it as we're going forth on our journeys: is that uh, when you're you know moving forward, when you're trying to do something in life, you you are in its in your in a nutshell, you are presenting a life view, a worldview, a point of view that is unique and different. And in that, presenting that uniqueness and that difference will come across opposition. You will come across those who are violently opposed to what you believe. And this could be not, this could be a philosophy that you're trying to share with the world, or this could just be as simple as the direction you're taking your life. But no matter what you're doing, you will come into some sort of opposition. And 
you know, there are times where our opposition is kind of what I call the traditional Hollywood villain opposition, right? They people that do really mean things to you and and sort of thwart you and and you know, <laughs> kind of like they're they're your Joker to your Batman, right? And and that does happen from time to time, but a lot of times it's about different viewpoints and how do we navigate that and and quite often we take those things seriously and uh, maybe too seriously. I mean, I know for me, one of the biggest turnarounds in my life was when I was able to move beyond seeing my uh, seeing those who told me I couldn't do something because of my disability. Uh, you know, I would treat them like the enemy. I would treat them like, oh. I'll prove you wrong, right? I'm, you can't. You said I can't do it. I'm going to tr- prove you wrong. And I, and I realized really quick that that was the wrong philosophy to have uh, because it, it kind of took me into a, a negative not mindset and that quite often, um, you know, I, it would take me going to the wrong places. Um, and so that was the one piece uh, to think about with with when you're going on your quest and being different. And the other part of my life is like, I look at like my speaking now, especially when I talk about like disability in the workplace or I talk about work-life balance, I have very specific viewpoints and quite often sometimes controversial viewpoints and definitely viewpoints that not everybody shares and that it causes heated debate. Like when I talk about disability, I'm very adamant that disability, if we're talking about diversity, disability in itself needs to be its own category. It's not an add-on. Quite often, it's not added in the diversity puzzle. I'm very vocal about that, and some groups don't like me talking about that, but I'm okay about it because uh, that's my truth, and I'm speaking it. And when I talk about work-life balance, pre-COVID, I was a big fan of work from home and you know flexible work arrangements, and to walk into work environments or talk to folks and, and basically say, listen, you know, there's different ways of doing it. And this this idea that you got to be in an office in front of people who half of whom you don't even really like, <laughs> I mean, that that's just, that doesn't mean you're going to be productive. I mean, listen, you go to pass by half the cubicles in the office at any given time, they've got Facebook or Twitter or something up. And if they're not, it's not on their work computer, it's on their device, they're not engaged. So why are we pretending like they're engaged? So, you know, people have different opinions of that. And that's, so that, that's what kind of resonated all in that with me, with this, this relationship of a people having different viewpoints when you're going off on, on your life quest. And, and so I want to share just three really quick points about that, about Scalia and, and, our, and Justice Ginsburg. And before I get into that, one thing I just want to say is that, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in itself is a really great story of someone who worked worked hard her whole life. We know this. I mean, that, that's not that's not new. But here's someone that was dedicated to her work, did it at the top of her game, you know, top performer, uh, top of her game, influential, grew a following, uh, grew a fan base, and probably say what, in the last less than 10 years of her life became like a pop Basically, became almost like a pop culture icon, right? There's a movie about her and a documentary on Hulu about her right now. Um, I think it's called On the Basis of Sex. And, you know, there's all the... So she put in the work. In the last few years of her life, she became, like, more famous than she would be normally as as just a justice. She kind of had this 
cult celebrity status. And just to remember, I just want you to think about in thinking about it, whether you agree with her opinions on the court or not, but the idea of when you dedicate to something yourself to something you love and you dedicate yourself to a better cause, that the good the fruits of that dedication will come. They might not come when you think they're gonna come. They might not come how you 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 believe they're gonna come, how you can anticipate they're gonna come, but they are going to come. Because even in and I remember reading an interview with uh, with Justice Ginsburg and saying how, you know, in, in her, her last year or so, she was just saying she's surprised that people, especially young people, want to take pictures with her, right? She would never, she never anticipated she would have this kind of fame. And so, you know, thinking about the, your recognition will come when you dedicate yourself, but be open to it coming in different ways. And if you look at one of my past episodes, you know, I, I talk about, I talk about that anticipating, um, you know, anticipating the result and anticipating the unexpected. Now, let's talk about three things quick from this relationship between Scalia and Ginsburg that I want us to remember, and I think it's really important. And here's the first one. I reading, I was reading something, uh, and it was someone had asked Scalia essentially how he could be such good friends with Ginsburg because they were opposed on everything, right? I think the joke was, when was the last time there was a 5-4 you know, Supreme Court decision that Ginsburg and you were on the same side. And I love what Scalia said in this case. And he said, I attack ideas, not people. I attack ideas and not people. And I think that's beautiful because, the, you know, like I said, we're going to forth in our quest, like I mentioned earlier, you're going to present different ideas. You're going to defend, you're going to present different points of views, different methods, different processes for doing things. And though there are those who will disagree with it. Sometimes they'll disagree because they don't understand it. Sometimes they'll disagree because they have a different philosophy of life and that, and they believe that theirs is better and their, or that theirs is right and yours is wrong. And I love that because what he's saying is, you don't really take it too personal. You have to really just think about if you're going to engage in argument, if you're going to engage in debate, in, in, in combat, uh, as you will, that we're attacking I, the ideas, right? We're not taking it personal. We're not going after who the person is, is a human being. We're going after sort of just, we're, we're, putting, we're putting the business in one box and the personal in another. And I thought that was interesting. And when I read that, it made me think about uh, it made made sense how these two could be friends because that was their both of their philosophies that they they would argue you know over everything and yet it was business and they came from very intense political and philosophical differences and yet they were still uh, really great uh, friends because of it so that's the first point the second point is much more simple. And, you know, when I was reading all these things and listening to interviews and, you know, I listened to Justice Ginsburg's uh, eulogy at Scalia's funeral, all that. And, you know, I was looking for like this deep, sophisticated way of understanding how these two folks got along so well, given that, you know, they're, they're public sort of battles. And this, my second point with all that is that it's you have to sometimes focus on you got to focus on commonalities, not sometimes you have to focus on the commonalities that you have with with folks uh, when you're going forth. Right. So even if they have opposition, they might not believe in what you're doing. They might believe the way you're doing it is wrong, whatever that is, that you got to look for the commonalities. And sometimes there's commonalities in terms of the beliefs. Right. You, you might be very far apart, but you can agree on a couple of minor things. And that's a starting base in terms of a business negotiation, but even on a personal level, right? Like Ginsburg and Scalia kind of both came from sort of the same area, right? They both had a love of opera. 
both had a love of food, right? A Ginsburg's husband liked to make food and Scalia liked to eat it, right? So they 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 had like these commonalities and those commonalities humanized uh, each other. And that humanization also led to them, uh, you know, getting along so well. Now I will say bit of, you know, a bit of a disclaimer that I think there's something that you can't account for is that you just have natural chemistry with someone. And in the case of these two, I mean, I'm not an expert, but uh, I mean, they, they naturally got along on some level and they were friends before they were Supreme on the Supreme court. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's, that's, that's the way it is. And, and so that th- there was a level of that, but I think, you know, they're able when they weren't talking business, they were focused on the commonalities. And I would say focus on commonalities and focus on the humanity of those that we're dealing with. Because when we can see them as people and people we have things in common with, we can focus and and we can come to, to understanding. And if we don't come to understanding on a business level, then at least we can still function with these people and not miss out on fantastic, beautiful, deep relationships, deep associations that we would Otherwise, you know, we, otherwise we would lose them if we just say, hey, you're opposed to me on this particular topic and I can't talk to you anymore. You're an evil person or you're a piece of crap or whatever your whatever your end game is. Right. Like I said, I have very specific views on work life balance, very strong views on work life balance. And there are people that disagree with me. I still would not disown something for view someone for, you know, differing views on work life balance. And let's be honest, even politically. Um, and, and, and even things like unions, I talk about, you know, work-life balance and human resources, all that stuff, you know, I have different, we all have different opinions, but again, if I focus on the com- commonalities I have with people on a personal level and the humanity I have with people on a, on a certain level, um, then, you know, things get better. I think that's important when we're going through our, our, our journeys. And here's the third point I want to talk about. And this is the part I think is really great about the relationship. And Justice Ginsburg told a story about, uh, you know, Scalia once, uh, well, several times, but this one specific time where uh, Scalia was writing a dissenting opinion, uh, you know, he was, uh, and he gave her an advanced copy of of it, and, and even, you know, even though it kind of ruined uh, Ginsburg's weekend, that she that she appreciated it, and that you know, her his thinking got her got her challenged her thinking and made it better, and vice versa, that he would sometimes critique. Uh, you know, her opinions and and would add footnotes. And, and basically, this was a practice they had of each other is that they would sometimes share opinions with each other. They'd have these debates and they would give feedback. And the feedback wasn't always you're wrong. It was like questions for them to clarify. It was sort of ways to push each other. And I think that's the most important part in this relationship is that they pushed each other to be better. They pushed each other to be the best Supreme Court justices they could be, even though they, I don't, I think rarely agreed on most decisions. But this idea of surrounding yourself that with people who help you get better, who challenge you to be better, even if they don't necessarily come from the same philosophical background that you do, I think is 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 a beautiful thing. I think about in our journey, I always talk about, you know, surround yourself with positive people, surround yourself with supportive people, and people will sometimes critique me and say, well, what you want is a group of yes men, and that is never what I've advocated for. What I've always advocated for is surround yourself with people that are positive and going to support you, but more importantly, who will challenge you, okay, who will challenge you and will question you. Right, I have people who support me in everything I do. Actually, believe what I do. But even I have folks that 
even in that, will ask me questions to strengthen me. And then those who do not agree with me, who same thing, right? That they will ask me questions. They will push me not to try and tear me down, but try and strengthen my opinion, or at least to make sure that when I'm arguing my point of view, that I'm coming from a place of strength. And in reading a lot of uh, about the relationship and even listening to a couple of joint um, interviews that they did, that there was this there, there was this underlying current of they pushed each other to be better and they pu- they demanded sort of excellence of each other. And that's what kind of helped on some level bring up their game. And, you know, that's that's what I got this week, right? I mean, like I said, I, you know, I, I was ready to do a talk on uh, breaking through, <laughs> getting through the plateau. You know what happens when you peak? You feel like you've peaked or you're plateaued. You're in a bit of that rut. But I'm going to save that for maybe next week and uh, going to record it anyway, but maybe release it next week because I just thought with this in the news and just, in, you know, I was just sort of infatuated with this relationship between these two. Um, I just thought it was important to say something this week. And so to recap um, and talk in terms of Justice Ginsburg's lives, remember that um, passion, dedication to your cause will reap rewards um, more than you can ever imagine. And sometimes the fruits of that effort come come in different forms and at different stages in your life. And so, um, you know, everything from Ginsburg being appointed a Supreme Court justice is like one, you know, probably the biggest, you know, sort of hallmark of the career. But then sort of, you know, I talked about this sort of pop culture icon that she became, you know, at, towards the end of her life, um, all fruits of her effort and her labor. Uh, and then the three points that come out of this relationship between the two. Number one, remember when you're, you're engaging indifference that you're attacking ideas and not people and even though it can feel personal stick to attacking the ideas and that that'll allow you to have better uh, the potential of better and more fruitful relationships with people number two um, focus on the commonalities and the humanity of those you deal with in your life no matter what there you know it's it's so easy to think about our differences but we can really, when we can focus on what we have in common and just understand that people are human beings and that they're, they're coming from a, a point of view on some level from a, for some sort of human need that we're trying to meet or trying to improve, things get a lot better. And of course, the third, you know, that idea of challenging each other to make each other better, even when you don't agree, it's actually sometimes, I would say it's better to have people who don't necessarily agree with you that can challenge you, but having, surround yourself with those that demand excellence with you, no matter where they f- fall in agreement is so crucial to being successful. So that's what I got this week. I invite your comments, questions, share your Ruth Bader Ginsburg stories if you want. Um, A lot of great ones out there in the comments. And I will see you next week. Go after it hard, folks, this week. Make it better than last week. It's, you know, as weird as these times are, it's still a time, it's still a time to make some positive, great impact in your life and in the world. Go get them. I'll see you next week.